this. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, what is up? Not much. Normal week. Uh, actually, it's easy week. It, yeah, <laughs> the first two days off. Nice and easy week um, of day job. Uh, but yeah, that, I feel like nothing's really going on. You know, it's a lot like uh, the Bengals. Not much going on. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, you had your exciting last weekend. Do you have anything coming up or is it all just kind of eh, whatever? I will say that my friend sent me a screenshot. She tried to get more Ticketmaster tickets uh, for Taylor. I mean, I feel like we're just following Taylor this summer. Yeah, are you going in your groupie? You're following gonna to, Well, we were going to go to Denver. It's in two oh, weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's in two weeks. But unfortunately, didn't get the Ticketmaster code, and the tickets are going for about 1800 still. So I'm going to sit that one out, and I'm going to try to go see Taylor in Europe next year. But other than that, nothing yeah. really – I feel like I know, that's like, just as expensive, right? If not more. Honestly, here's the thing. If I'm going to go to Europe, I love Europe. Uh, go to, you know, just different locations. Uh, maybe go back to London to see what that's all about. I haven't been in a couple years. And then to see a Taylor Swift concert while I'm there, it wouldn't hurt. And I, I honestly think the ticket prices might be a little cheaper in Europe than they are in, in the United States right now. So, yeah, um, well, well, that. I've never been to Europe, so I don't know. Uh, seems great. <laughs> great. Highly recommend. If the Bengals ever go back, I want to go to a London game so badly. Um, I know how people feel about it. They're like, don't take away a home game if it's a home game for the team. And I, I get it for season ticket holders and things like that. But the following in Europe for the NFL is really, really cool. But that's besides the point of what we're going to talk about right now. You know what? We had other plans. We were going to record on Thursday. Maybe do a little Louie and Arumo. And we're going to move that to next Tuesday, a little deep dive on the defensive coordinator, one of the best in the NFL, Corey Dillon, in the news. Um, I mean, it's perfect for a throwback Thursday as we're recording this right now. And <laughs> Ring of Honor talk. We've talked about that this offseason. The Bengals are going to continue that for the third straight year. Corey Dillon on the ballot. Uh, but Paul Daner over at The Athletic had a chance to talk to Corey Dillon. And I'm going to be completely honest with you. I said it off the air. I was really surprised with how honest Corey Dillon was. And you might say, why would you be surprised? You saw how it ended. He said he'd rather flip hamburgers than play for the Bengals. He threw things up in the stands um, after a game when he was playing in Cincinnati. He didn't want to be here anymore. And it felt like maybe that relationship uh, wasn't a good one when it ended. Then he goes to New England, wins the Super Bowl, and he was back for the 50th anniversary. I had a chance to talk to him in 2017, and he seemed like things were okay, uh, but he had a few quotes, and I'm going to share a couple, and then I'm going to get your thoughts on it. He said, uh, Paul Daner asked him, he said, let's, let's talk about it. Do you care if I share? And he goes, what do you want me to do with all this? Would you like me to voice it out there? And he said, man, you can quote me for every effing word. He said, print it because nobody gets this. You can insert the word. I wanted exactly how I told you. No spins, no nothing. He was really um, honest with how he feels of the Ring of Honor, the Hall of Fame voting when it comes to, you know, that that part of his post-career right now. Yeah. Uh, look, I love an interview where they don't cut anything else. They mm -hmm. don't cut anything out. That's great. Unfiltered. It's nice. Um, it also does get you into trouble with some 
fans at least <laughs> with airing your unfiltered thoughts sometimes there's a reason the filter will make you look nicer to some people but i love the unfiltered just like it feels more like a real conversation uh but yes uh i think we're gonna get more into it but i remember we had this discussion i can't remember if it was the last pod or a couple of pods ago where i had the take i was like i don't think guys like cory dylan like the Bengals still even with all the different stuff and you were a little more optimistic which could make sense because the 50th anniversary and all of that thing and you know they're doing more every time i've heard willie anderson talk about it because he's one of the only ones from that era that does talk about it he's like yeah we gotta show Corey dylan and those guys love like they don't know that this these fans appreciate him as much as they do and that always just keys me into like He's probably being nice about that. <laughs> like he's probably Corey Dillon's probably still not happy at all with the Bengals, and it makes sense because if Corey Dillon was drafted to a great team and signed there and played there, he's probably in the Hall of Fame. Like that's just how it's it true. is. He was on such bad Bengals teams, and even if they had good pieces on the offensive line, you think Willie Anderson, you could even think of some other guys for those offensive lines, but the quarterback play was what was he there for the for the couple Blake years that were pretty good, or was it all like Achilles Smith, Scott Mitchell stuff? If he was, it was was pretty much just Achilles and Scott. And then a little bit of Kitna. I don't know if I'm missing anybody else. This was in my youth, my, my young youth that I don't remember too well, but um, yeah. Also, I feel like he might've made the hall of fame if he just got drafted in like 2004 to the Bengals and then got to play behind that offensive line with Bobby and Willie and the Carson Palmer at quarterback. So teams aren't able to stack the box the same way. I think he's a hall of fame talent and I understand why he's so upset about that. And even his yardage does meet hall of fame requirements in my mind. It's just, man, his best year probably was that Super Bowl year and winning the ring and all of that. I, I mean, that had to be such a different experience to join the Patriots for a Super Bowl team after the early 2000s, late 90s Bengals. I mean, yeah, imagine walking into – because, look, we can be completely honest with what has changed in the Bengals organization from the front office to behind the scenes. There has been a lot of change. But, yeah, we can look back and say they, they could have done better with a lot of their former players. And there was a lot of losing seasons, especially when Corey Dillon was here. He was the bright spot. I mean, the year that he broke the yard rushing record against the Denver Broncos, they only had, I want to say, two wins that year. And out of all the games for him to do that, they, they get the win. He has a career day, and that was one of the highlights of that season. And it just felt like a lot of lowlights unless Corey and, Dillon was – oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Just my favorite thing about that game, it could have been better. Like he broke the yardage record on, I think it was like 10, nine, eight yards mm-hmm. of carry because he didn't get all the carries. They ended up running for like, I want to say like 350 yards. There was, I believe, a Peter Warwick big, big run in there. A, the other running back got about eight carries. Achilles Smith took a couple. And then they threw the ball like 16 mm-hmm. times and completed two passes. Like if they just ran the snot out of the ball, it would have been even better. Like he could have. He, he might still have the record with how efficient it was. That's the most amazing part of that game to me is like the passing game sucked. They still tried it. They kept trying, even though they should have just handed that ball off and just let him really go to work. It's just, there was meat on the bone of a record breaking performance. It could have been better, but anyway, you can continue. No, it's, it's wild to look back on that. And you know, I get it. 
there was a lot of, you're going to have a bad taste in your mouth if you're Corey Dillon when you think about your time in the Cincinnati Bengals. And he wasn't really active on social media a lot. He does have an Instagram now. I, I'm not sure about Twitter, but I do know he has an Instagram account. He actually reposted the story uh, right before we started to record tonight. He said, hey, this is my own words over on The Athletic. Whatever you're seeing anywhere else, that that's not what I said. This is what I said in this piece. Um, and it's a really good piece. Uh, obviously, Paul Daner is, is one of the best in the business. So go check it out over on The Athletic. And that's going to give you the full quotes and, and more what he said. But the whole point of it is, look, I am a Corey Dillon stan. I've said it 20 billion times on social media. My first Bengals game with my dad was the the, the game that he broke the yards rushing record. And I thought, well, this is awesome. Why wouldn't you want to root for this team? And I was a kid. I, I didn't know better. And obviously they had a lot of losing seasons, but that game changed my mind about the NFL. And, and I knew right there, I'm going to be a fan of the Cincinnati Bengals. And I picked real down year for, for my, uh, my opinion of NFL or, or even a sports team really changed then. And um, I just have always appreciated him. And it was always unfortunate that it wasn't better for him when he was in Cincinnati. And then I was happy for him when he won a Super Bowl ring with the New England Patriots. Um, so I'm a fan of his. But I will admit, I feel like after reading it, there are parts of it that feels it's probably not going to help you get in the ring of honor this year. It's maybe, you know, a next year thing. And, and, and for the Cincinnati Bengals, I actually wish they would get more than two people a year in the ring of honor. They're playing catch up right now. Mm -hmm. And I do think it's huge Back for these guys. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you want your team to, I, I, the hall of fame, we can talk about that all day, all the Cincinnati Bengals players who should be in the hall of fame right now, but your own team has to appreciate you. And the Bengals are finally getting that as a front office and credit to Elizabeth Blackburn for really opening the doors when it comes to the ring of honor. And I think it's absolutely huge. And it's a really good thing. We, we saw it with Ken Riley. Unfortunately, that was really late for the, the hall of fame to notice, Hey, this guy should have been in a long time ago. You shouldn't need a ring of honor for that to happen, but that's besides the point. So I get it. I'm getting, he wants to be in there, but at the same time, I just feel like there are other Bengals players, former Bengals players that will get in before Corey Dillon in the ring of honor. And then the hall of fame conversation is a whole nother discussion. Yeah. Uh, I think it's interesting. He's, you know, he's, he's very upset about, I'm trying to find something real quick, but um, he's very upset about not getting in yet. And things they have it out for him. Like everybody in the ring of honor is the only person he's trying to make the case over, I guess would be, Isaac Curtis and maybe Ken Riley, but I don't see the Ken Riley one because he passed. <laughs> so uh, that's that part of that. And I also think Ken Riley probably higher on the totem pole than him. Um, but Joe Goodberry had an interesting thread on Twitter. Uh, it was his all-time greatest Bengals, Anthony Munoz, obviously, number one. Ken Anderson, number yep. two. Number three, Geno Atkins. Number four, Willie Anderson, which I think I would flip those. But continuing number five 100%. Andrew Whitworth number six number six Ken Riley number seven Chad Johnson number eight Lamar Paris number nine Boomer Esiason then number 10 Corey Dillon 11 AJ Green 12 Isaac Curtis so I think I do agree that like he if you're just basing it off of what they did he probably gets in over Isaac Curtis but at the same time Curtis is getting in there partially because it's so backlogged and you want to get these guys in and celebrate them and give them their flowers while they're still alive after the whole Ken Riley experience like hey let's celebrate these guys before they pass and you know let them know that they're loved and let them you know the city and the fans appreciate them 
while they're still there. Like, I'm sure some of those guys, they don't even know if like the Bengals fans care about them anymore. Like 70s guys, 80s guys. So it's really cool for them to get that. Corey Dillon is absolutely a Ring of Honor guy too. Yeah. It's just when, when he's so upset about it, like he's, he's probably not making it this year. It's my first thought is like Chad's going to get in because he's been so good with the Bengals fans and stuff after post playing career. Um, and I would argue he was better on the field, at least you know, as a Bengal. Corey Dillon, I think if you add in that New England year, maybe you can make the argument. But uh, then the other spot that's open, if Corey Dillon was as good with the fans as Chad, he might have a chance. But because he's not, I think this is – I mean, to me, I think it'll be Boomer Esiason, but it could be mm-hmm. Lamar Parrish. It could be – I feel like it's wide open. Does he get in next year? That to me still feels like it might not happen. There is a, Tim Crumry is an underrated pick Tim, that is Tim on the ballot. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Dave Lapham has to get in. Uh, there's Boomer Esiason, Lamar Parrish. There's like all these guys who have a similar or better case than Corey. And they've been yeah. right or not. Like that's a big part of it. The fans are voting. So they're going to vote for they guys are. that are nice to them. You know, you track bees with honey. Type thing. I think uh, a lot of people probably saw those quotes today, and they they didn't they didn't. Get I, am, I like the quotes though. Like I just because oh, like, I, I like getting how he actually feels. I, I don't want him to. I don't. I didn't want him to give any false opinion, like pandering to the fans or something. Like we know you don't love <laughs> everything that happened. Um, would I like for it to be a little bit more positive? Sure, but I like that he's honest and uh, he's right that like his play on the field absolutely deserves to make the Ring of Honor. And if the Bengals Ring of Honor opened when it should have in I don't yes. know what like 1990, <laughs> he would be getting in like. He'd probably already be in there, but because oh, yeah. it's so backlogged and they're doing two a year for, I get it because, you know, you don't want to put too many guys in. Cause then if you put in a group that was like Willie Anderson, Boomer size and Chad Johnson, mm-hmm. Isaac Curtis, and <laughs> it's like, well, Isaac Curtis is probably going to go a little under the radar compared to all those guys. So for them to just be on the stage together, I think is awesome. So I get it. I just wish they started this sooner. But yeah, I think it's really interesting. I think the whole Corey Dillon conversation is really interesting. Uh, Hall of Fame talent, in my mind, not going to make it because of the accolades and the stats and the volume and being drafted to a terrible team and staying there for probably too long. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just, I think we could look back and be honest about it. Um, I think he showed what he could have been if he was on a good team his whole career when in 2004 with the Patriots. But uh, I'll always appreciate him for his Bengals years. And a big part of the 41-27 smashing of the Pittsburgh Steelers in the AFC Championship game in 2004. That is wild to think about. Um, but but I agree. I mean, honestly, you want a player to always <laughs> – sorry, Nick. Um, but uh, I, I agree with when you say you want him to be honest, 100%. I just feel like probably not going to be any time in the next couple years, maybe next year. Maybe next year we're having that conversation that Corey Dillon is going to be the guy that gets in the ring of honor or, mm-hmm. or the following year. I, just, I think he has I, a case. Would, yeah. Maybe that year. I just think he does have to remember, and we've already said it on the podcast, that it's it's just it's early on. And there are a lot of players. And I've, I've always said it when it comes to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. There are a lot of people that you could make a case for, former Cincinnati Bengals, that say they should be in the Hall of Fame right now and they're not in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people look at the losing seasons and they credit that to, you know, 
look who they played for. Look what, what happened when they were there. It's not fair because you can go around the league and other teams have Hall of Famers in the league. You look at the Cleveland Browns with, with Joe Thomas and in the Pro Football Hall of Fame and Willie Anderson's still out there waiting. And Joe didn't see any winning when he was there. So it's just... Tony Baselli, he made the Hall of Fame before Willie as well, played at the same time. Yeah, it's really, it's it's unfortunate with the way I feel like the Cincinnati Bengals are looked at when it comes to the Pro Football Hall of Fame conversation, but I get where Corey Dillon's coming from, but unfortunately, it's still really new, and as a, like I said before, I'm a huge fan of Corey Dillon. Um, I hope he gets in, and, and hopefully, you know, his relationship with the Bengals and, and the front office, you know, gets mended, and, and there's, you know, the fans do appreciate what Corey Dillon was able to do. But I agree with you. I would say he's a top 10-ish Bengal. I wouldn't say a top five right now. I, I saw that floating around on, on social media today, and I don't, I don't, I wouldn't put him in the top five. Maybe top five talent, but I just don't think he did it all for the Bengals is my, it's just my thought <laughs> of, yeah, like, man, when I looked at that list, I think the fifth name was Andrew Whitworth. <laughs> real hard, real hard to put him in over some of these guys. Yeah, it's just it's just the way it is, unfortunately. But yeah, I mean, that's a that's a topic of conversation next year that I'm sure that fans will have when it comes to Corey Dillon. And I think we can still appreciate everything that he did when he was in Cincinnati. It was just always unfortunate that, you know, they didn't win while he was here. But I'm glad he had a ring, so... That's all I feel about Corey Dillon. And I'm glad there was a Corey Dillon segment because I'm okay with that when we're in the middle of an off season before training camp and somebody wants to throw a Corey Dillon topic at us, 100%. We will talk about him all day. And like I said before, go check out the story. It's with Paul Daner over on The Athletic. Really good read. I, I would say good read with Corey Dillon, an honest read with Corey Dillon um, about the Bengals Ring of Honor and Hall of Fame. Next, we're going to get to your questions over on the Twitter world. Make sure you're always following Bengals underscore Sands. You can follow me at LNDS. Patterson on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. This, this is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Double header mailbag day. Man, I love Thursdays when we're recording this. You're listening to it on a Friday got some good questions we're going to go ahead and start with our guy casey he says who are the two to three bengals players from last year's team that are the most important most oh my goodness i am butchering this question i apologize casey says who are the two to three bengals players from last year's team that are in the most jeopardy of being cut not practice squad flat out cut oh interesting um (sighs) trent taylor that's the first one to come to mind uh and i guess you can make the art well chris evans i think that's the second one that comes to mind and i i would guess after that you can make the argument for a few guys i think the one that's glaring would be Hakeem Adeniji, but I think we both have thought the coaching staff might like him a little more than the fans do. Doesn't mean they're going to keep him, but I think it just, he's not a guarantee to get cut. I think some people are trying to already throw that parade, (laughs) Um, which you shouldn't do. You shouldn't shouldn't celebrate anybody losing their job. uh, Even, but whatever. We've talked about that enough. Uh, Yeah. uh, We'll go with those three. Um, In my mind also, I guess you could see a Trey Hill, getting cut if ben brown outperforms in the preseason you could see max sharping get cut if enough guards look good um you could see 
I think all the tight ends are making it. <laughs> so they didn't really add much. I, I would hope so. Yeah. I was <laughs> like other positions. It's like, man. I mean, I guess you could see a different wide receiver get like if Trent Irwin gets cut, I'm not shocked. I'd be surprised, but I'm not shocked. That, that would just mean that the other guys are looking real good. Stanley Morgan, I guess, is in jeopardy. I just think his special teams and his unique role will get him onto the team. We'll see though. Um if DJ Ivy can beat out Jalen Davis, I mean, that's a deep cut. That's, that's, that's like, I think somebody, the person asking the question is like, that's not what I meant. He's like, oh, didn't really think about that one. Uh, what, what do you think about on the defensive line? Yeah, uh, I've heard the Cam Sample one before. I think they like Sample. I guess I could, I'm like Trent. I, I got him in the same group as like Trent Irwin. Like I wouldn't be completely shocked if he's cut, but I would be surprised. Uh, it is a big defensive line group though. So, oh, it, could it be Josh Tupo? Could it be J2 Fele? Mm-hmm. Um, oh man, J2 Fele is a sneaky one, I think, because he's been inactive. He wasn't, he was like, I think a healthy scratch for the playoff run. I, I'd have to look that back up, but I think fans are, that's the opposite of the Hakeem energy where fans like him more than I think the coaching staff might have, at least that the coaching staff has shown how much they like him. So those are all mine. Do you have any of that I missed? No, I think the defensive line is going to be where I'm looking at right now. It just feels pretty loaded yeah. right now, or at least crowded. Uh, and, and what that will look like when we go into camp and the offensive line is obviously one they're going to keep an eye on. Um, yeah. Trey Hill. I mean, it's unfortunate. I just don't believe in him as the backup center. It actually. Yeah. But the other option is Ben Brown. Who's never played in the I NFL. Know. So <laughs> I know it's absolutely terrifying to me. Honestly, if you, if you told me what will keep you up at night, when you think of the offensive line, I would say the center backup center position <laughs> to be completely honest with you. Um, and it's because of those flashes went in the bills game. That's just, and Ted Karras, look, man, that guy is a superstar. He went out there and he's like, I don't care. I'm going to get through this game and we're going to play in the AFC championship game. And maybe they play in the super bowl, but unfortunately um, I get, yeah, the backup center position scares me. Um, I think you you pretty much hit on everything. The Chris Evans thing, it, it won't be surprising to me at all. He had the opportunities, the few opportunities when he was out there. I know fans want him to be on the field more. Trent Irwin would be a surprise. Trent Taylor just feels like the writing's on the wall with the hype Charlie you're hearing Jones from just, this. Charlie Jones just has so much of the same job, right? Yeah. I mean, the hype, I know we're going to we're gonna hear even more. I mean, we're three weeks away from the hype when it comes to these players, these rookies, the underrated mm-hmm. sleeper in training camp. Um, and it well, just Trent feels Taylor's like... probably in the best shape of his life, though. Have you considered that? Okay, so what we are going to do, I'm going to say this right now. We have a little less... It's going to be less than three weeks now uh, because they will be at training camp three weeks from today. We are going to come up with the amount of things that we think we are going to hear that'll be like the Tuesday show before they report to training camp when it comes to the shape of their life. And we're going to ask you on Twitter. So make sure you send those to us too. And we will find them the tweets from our amazing media people who are going to be sweating it out, covering the team during training camp. And we are going to look for those. And I'm sure they're coming because uh, we are, like I said, only three weeks away from that. Joe, I want to get to your question. I actually should have led with this one, but uh, since we talked about the ring of honor, he says, what are some things the organization can do along the lines of adding the ring of honor to help improve fan engagement and experience of being a Bengals fan? One thing I think that uh, Paycor Stadium could add, I've been to Heinz Field once, I guess Acrisure Stadium now, mm-hmm. but they have like a whole Hall of Fame for their Ring of Honor guys. Do something like that. That's That'd cool. be really cool. Yeah, just like, <laughs> it's huge because Steelers have been doing it for years. I, I, I didn't take too long of a look, but I was just like, 
grudgingly, this is cool. <laughs> I wish the Bengals did this. <laughs> so so add a, if they could add that, I think that just steal the idea pretty much. And just have like, yeah, like a uh, Willie Anderson, uh, an Isaac Curtis, a Ken Anderson, a Ken Riley. Just like a little, it doesn't even have to be giant thing. Just something celebrating them when you get in there and maybe telling their story and why what made them a Ring of Honor player for the Bengals. I think that'd be my first thought on something that they could add. Because they've done a lot of adding stuff. They've added the, the bubble, uh, which is now an indoor facility, I believe. And they've added the Ring of Honor, obviously. It feels like they're doing a lot. Um, but that'd be cool. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, they I have no doubt behind the scenes they're working on more fan engagement and, and other things that they can continue to do because their social media has to be at an all time high when it comes to the following the Joe Burrow. I mean, there was a discussion the other day it was national TV. They were discussing if, if Joe Burrow is a superstar. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I would say he's a superstar athlete. Would you agree with that? Is who a superstar athlete? Joe Burrow? Yeah. Like a superstar yeah. in the athlete world. Yeah. Well, so you're, yeah, you're engaged absolutely. in that at all. You were questioning that a little bit. I'm like, no, I was, I was questioning like Joe Burrow. I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, like, yeah. Obviously. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess the, what I was trying to say is this is a good time for you to continue to, mm-hmm. you know, keep your fans engaged. Anything that you can possibly think of. I love that. Um, kind, there's plenty of places in Paycor Stadium that you could make that a little ring of honor museum center for people when they're going to the games or, or even in the offseason to go and check out. So, yeah, I do think there's more you can do. Um, but credit to them because a lot has changed over the last few years. We are going to go ahead and go to Kyle. He says, and we've talked about this plenty but you know what we will bring it up again he says who do you think is going to be extended first t higgins or logan wilson t yeah i would not have said that six months ago let me ask you this who do you think is more important on the defensive side of the ball next year say say they don't extend logan wilson this offseason but they still have a chance next offseason dj reader or logan wilson dj reader that was easy yeah yeah that, look, I don't think he's going to regress when I've done any research into nose tackles. You got a little extra time with them. 30 is not the, not the wall. feels like 32 might be. You got a couple extra years. And that's not even every guy. Like A guy like Tony Siragusa was good every year until he just stopped playing. Uh, same, I mean, Viltz Wolfork didn't really hit a wall until real late in his career. I think DJ Reader is going to be real good next year. Uh, also, it's usually an injury that knocks you off the, I feel like, off completely gone i feel like it's some type of injury that they just don't recover the same way from that they did when they were younger but anyway yeah dj reader i I think he's so important i think he's the most important defender on the defense but i think that's a little bit of a hot take he does so much for the linebackers he does so much for the coverage unit he does so much for the run game it's just when you have a guy like that that can dominate the run game take two gaps you trust him to always keep your linebackers clean so they could just make tackles. They don't have to worry about taking on offensive linemen. It's, it's invaluable. And uh, I think it's also a big reason why linebackers have career years with DJ Reader <laughs> uh, when he's healthy. Like that year he wasn't healthy. I think everybody was like, ah, these linebackers, I'm not sure. He's healthy a whole year, keeps them clean the whole time. And now it's like, ooh, wow, look at this linebacker duo. And the linebackers are awesome. Linebackers are really good. I, I don't want to – discourage at all i just think it works together and if i'm going to say you know who's the most important player i think it's also the best player and to me that's dj reader 
I, and again, I'm a very optimistic person when it comes to the future or this team in general. I think if they win, if they win a Super Bowl, which sounds so easy just to go, just go to the Super Bowl, you know, just win it. I know you've been so close two years in a row. It's really hard to get there. If they were to win a Super Bowl this upcoming season, I feel like you can get DJ Reader back. And I think he would be like, look, I just got a ring. Let's let's do it again. Let's do it again. I love the talent on this team. Uh, the more than likely have T. Higgins. I again, I still feel like they're going to extend T. Uh, you have Joe Burrow. You get the Jamar Chase extension done, and you're like, let's work something out. Let's work something out, Cincinnati. This has been a really great time since I've been here, and um, I know the price tag is probably going to be extremely high right now for him. Those tackles aren't super high. Like it's not going to be Chris Jones level. You don't think that it's going to be if he has like another pretty good 20 i would say would what if he has the same season in 20 that he had in 2022 full help let me look up those tackle contracts real quick but i don't think i know dexter lawrence just signed i think the highest for any nose tackle um i don't think he'll get the same dexter lawrence 21 million average per year the next highest nose tackle I can find is Vita Vea at 17.7. Kenny Clark at 17.5. Dalvin Tomlinson just signed for 14.2. And then Reader's there at 13.2. I, I mean, I think you're looking at like – at the highest, it would be the Dexter Lawrence contract. And I'm not sure he'll get that just because Lawrence is young. I think that's the one of the big draw, draws there. He's 25. Mm-hmm. So you can do $22 million per year and have some of that hit later because you know he's going to be good in four years still. I'm thinking the highest you're looking at might be 20 per year, but I, I would bet he more so is just going to outdo Vea, which would be 17.7, so 18. Okay. I think somewhere from 18 to 20 per year is what I'd look at. Probably like three-year, maybe a four-year deal with a fake fourth year. I feel like it would be three-year, and then that fourth year – that's what I was saying. Yeah. Three year, but then there's like the fourth year that's like $21 million cap hit, but there's also like two to 2 million in dead cap. If he's still real good, you could pay it. If not, we'll, we'll work something out. I mean, I'm getting kind of sad thinking about the end of DJ reader. And since I know, I mean, we've been talking about everyone else and I'm really excited about the future. They're core on offense. They're getting younger on defense too, but I don't want to think of a life without DJ Reader on the Cincinnati Bengals. So I'm really hoping that's another guy we're going to hear next offseason an extension. We'll go to St. Palm. He says, who is your sleeper contender? Not KC, not Cincinnati, not Buffalo in the AFC and why? Miami because they have Vic Fangio. I think Vic Fangio is one of the best defensive minds in football. I think Mike McDaniel showed a lot of promise his first year. I think the Tua question is there. I think the Mike McDaniel, how can he respond when guys take away the middle of the field from him and get physical with his wide receivers question is there. But, man, my first thought is just, I think the other one would be Jacksonville would be my other sleeper because I really think Doug Peterson's a great coach. And then, I mean, the other one, I just, I don't see the Chargers doing it. I Like, I, I'm almost there. But every time I look, it's like, ah, do I trust Brandon Staley to do it? No. And they always have this injury problem and they won't fire that trainer that stabbed Tyrod Taylor for some reason. That <laughs> is wild to me. Somebody wanted to say that this stuff happens all the time. And I'm like, this stuff doesn't happen all the time. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
<laughs> we would hear about it. Come on. What, do other guys just play with a punctured lung? <laughs> like, it's normal. And it's the NFL. You could go find a better trainer. Like, it's absolutely wild to me. So you're saying um, the Dolphins, Dolphins and the Jacks. Jaguars. Those are my two sleepers. They're not really deep sleepers or anything. But I'd take them over the Jets and Chargers, I think. Out of like the real deep sleeper is a team I don't believe in, but <laughs> it would be the Broncos if somehow Russ can get it back. And I think Sean Payton's a good coach, so like it, it, that's the deep sleeper I don't think happens. But out of all the teams that probably have, I don't know, like a seven to eight win total from Vegas, that might be the one I'd pick. But yeah, my actual sleepers other than Buffalo, Kansas City would be Jacksonville, Miami. I think I'd pick them over the Jets and Chargers, I think are the other two real contenders. Okay, so I actually want to continue this conversation. I think it is a great question because we do hear about Kansas City, Cincinnati, and Buffalo, who outside. And I know a lot of people can look at the AFC East. And I think the Dolphins would be the number one sleeper pick um, if everything can work out. I I love their head coach. Their defense should be legit. Obviously, they have legit receivers. I mean, it should be should be good, but I'm going to add my team, and you're going to be a little surprised, and we'll get to more of your doubleheader questions. Ooh, the Raiders. I'm going to say the Raiders. Next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. This, this is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati taking this question to the next segment because I really do like it. And you pretty much named all of the AFC when you were talking about your sleepers. You said Miami. You said the Jags. You threw in the Raiders. Maybe the Broncos can do it. I was it. joking about the Raiders. That was a complete joke. I think the Raiders okay. are the worst team in the AFC. Other than maybe like the Texans. Honestly? No, Um, I, I agree with all your picks. I think they're good. I have like disclaimers before I say mine. I have one. And I want Bengals. I already know this. I am totally going with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I prefer the Ravens over the Steelers. I'm more I'm more nervous about them. I am here to say, look, I I know how Bengals fans feel about the Pittsburgh Steelers, but I've said it already. I think they finished second in the AFC North. I think they have less to figure out when it comes to the other AFC North teams. Mike Tomlin is going to get something out of his team. I like their defense. Uh, Kenny Pickett year two. Who knows what that's going to look like? They do have weapons. Um, Najee Harris. We'll see what happens when it comes to running the football. But I just, I, I, I just feel like they have less to figure out, and I think that would be my sleeper team that isn't a popular pick right now because they think a lot of people are focused on the hot teams in the AFC East, uh, the New York Jets. Of course, you got Aaron Rodgers over there. The Miami Dolphins. Look, they flopped a little bit last year, and then Tua had his concussions, unfortunately, and hopefully he can stay healthy. Um, going into the season but overall I think it's just one of those picks that a lot of people they're they're not talking about and I feel like they can they can be I mean they're always going to be some kind of threat um, you know getting over 500 is something Mike Tomlin's going to be able to do with whatever he has out there he's had less talent before and he's done more so yeah I would say the Pittsburgh Steelers Ravens like the Chargers I don't know what it is about their trainers mm-hmm. and they're always injured I don't I don't get it uh whether that's voodoo luck it could just be luck but it feels yeah. like every year right like by the week 17 they're always starting some guy off the street at some position i don't know why um the Bengals aren't doing that every year the chargers and ravens seem to be so i don't know that's probably just anecdotal luck they're gonna both be healthy this year and i'll look mm-hmm. stupid but to me the ravens are the big contender just because Easy. in the afc north 
because I'm I'm a big I'm not gonna say fan, but I do think Lamar Jackson is very good, and I think yes. he's difficult to game plan against. I think Winner was like a fantastic job in that regard. Mike McDonald has also done a really good job as defensive coordinator. I think mm-hmm. that deserves to be said. He did a good job against the Bengals in that game. I think the Bengals will hopefully have answers this year um, to what he has tried to do to them. But my first thought is just like they've had the Bengals specifically have had way worse problems with the Ravens than they have the Steelers other than week one. But look, I don't know. Maybe it's bias. Maybe it's something. I almost throw that week one game out. There was so much going on. It was a Mitch Trubisky game. It went to overtime. (laughs) The Bengals should have won twice, but they didn't have their long snapper. Uh, I'm sure the Steelers think the opposite. Like, nah, those are excuses. And they are. But (laughs) they are. But when I look at when the, how the Ravens beat the Bengals, uh, I'm like, it feels more legitimate. It was, you know, it was after, you know, it was when the offense changed, it was them doing a really good job on offense and defense and not just defense because the yeah. Steelers defense always plays really well, but the Ravens offense compliment compliments their defensive plays. So I don't know. Maybe I'll look stupid. I think this is our one disagreement is who is the biggest contender AFC North. I'm, Ravens and you are Steelers and nobody is Browns, so let's hope it stays. And that, that way, as long as the Browns leader. finish last, as long as the Browns finish last, I think I could be very happy with all these AFC standings. There's obviously Cincinnati at one, um, but I, I there's nothing. I, I, you can, I can totally see it with the Baltimore Ravens. I've said it before. That was the best defense the Bengals were going to face in the playoffs, and facing them back to back weeks was absolutely terrifying to me. Um, I hated the matchup. I wasn't a huge fan of it when I found out they were going to play the Baltimore Ravens in the next, the following week. Um, and everybody watched that defense and it's still going to be legit going into this year. And then obviously Lamar Jackson is still a really great quarterback. So um, yes, the Baltimore Ravens will still be a threat and it's just unfortunate that um, I don't know what's unfortunate. I just, the AFC North, if, if the Bengals could just play in the AFC West, I would be, I would, I would take that in a heartbeat. Wouldn't you? Ooh, the AFC South would be the best one, right? The Jaguars have such an easy, I assume playing Mike Rabel is never fun, but two rookie quarterbacks and not great teams in the Colts and Texans. Great. Give me that. I mean, but you the AFC South is off limits. You can't, you can't choose that one. <laughs> it's only ever allowed one good team. <laughs> you, you have to choose between the AFC West or the AFC North. Which one would you want to play in? West. Easily, right? There's not a team like the Raiders in the North. It's true. And, I mean, the Broncos have a legit defense, but I still don't believe in Russ. I don't so either. I They're think... the deep sleeper because I don't believe in them. But I could see how it works. Man, I can't even remember who sent this question, but you really uh, took up about six to seven minutes. So we really appreciate you. Uh, we're going to go ahead and go to uh, Vienna Jeff 60. He says, where is Miles Murphy going to fit in the D-line rotation with Sam and Trey on the ends already? With Sam and Trey on the ends already. I think you're going to see more spelling of Sam and Trey. Just they play too many snaps. I think Miles Murphy can play base downs early on. Um, he is a mixed bag with basically everything right now. I think he needs reps with everything. That's his biggest issue is he's just not experienced and he needs to process things, recognize things quicker. And that's going to come with his experience. So getting him on the field will help that. Uh, I, I just think you're probably going to put him in there for Sam and Trey on some early down stuff. And then he'll probably be a part of at least 
some of these pass rush packages. Maybe they do get to, you know, I, I think Twitter people love the idea of this NASCAR package, all this other stuff, and it is certainly possible. I just want to see the Bengals actually do it. I, I feel like during the offseason, we all come up with these brainstorm ideas of like, oh, yeah, they're going to play all these three safety sets, and they're going to get all these guys on the field. And it's like, well, who comes off the field? And then have they actually done this very often? So I don't know. I try to think a little bit pragmatically about that. Just because I was part of that last year, I was like, ah, yeah, they're going to get Dax Hill on the field all the time. And he wasn't on the field all the time. So I think they're going to do it with Miles Murphy, but I have cautious optimism about that. I think they just – they know that Sam and Trey play too many snaps. And two years in a row, Trey has kind of broken down by the end of the year because he's played too many snaps. I think you want to limit yeah. that a little bit, even though you're paying him a ton of money and he's what maybe your second best – Player on the defense after reader to me, you could probably argue best. Not that wouldn't really care too much, but uh, you want to get him on the field. But he needs to be able to take breaks. You need to be able to pull him out yourself. Like, and Miles Murphy's an excuse for that. When I see Trey like taking deep breaths at the end of games, and he's just like on the sideline, I'm like, look, that guy does need a break because he doesn't. He wants to be out there all the time, and I can appreciate that. But unfortunately. We need you 100% when you're out there, and uh, he needs some breaks. So I do. I'm looking forward to the rotation and what the defensive line is going to look like. We'll go to Diego. He says, who or what position group is the X factor on both the offense and the defense? Is this a Super Bowl or bust year for the Cincinnati Bengals? I like that question. I think of the weakest units, so offensive line as a unit. I I mean, I guess tight end's weaker, but I think the offensive line's more important between the two. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that – is your X factor on offense? How good are they? Is it the best offensive line since 2015? Like everybody keeps saying, but we said that last year is, does it live up to the hype? You need to see it on the field on defense. I think the safeties are the X factor and it's mostly going to be, are they playing at a good level by week 12, by week 16, and especially by the playoffs. Uh, I think that's when them being an X factor really kicks in because if they're still not, playing up to snuff that could be the achilles heel of the defense it's just it is a little bit of a gamble back there when you replace both guys especially with young talent um and yeah i think those are my two x factors you have different ones no i feel like those are the easy ones to do and yeah you um, could argue defensive line i guess for defense yeah they need to get to the quarterback. That yeah. That's still a problem for them. And I'm really hoping you get Joseph Asai out there. And I was really impressed with what he was able to do towards the um, end of the season, especially in the AFC Championship game, um, you know, except for the hit on Patrick Mahomes. And I felt awful for him about. But, uh, but overall, I just feel like some of this youth on the defensive line will maybe help get pressure and get to the quarterback. And that was a weakness for them. And it's okay to point that out, even though they're spending a lot of money up there. Um, I like the part two of his question because I was actually asked this on a Columbus radio station earlier this week. They said, is it a Super Bowl or bust year for the Bengals? I said no, but I want to hear your answer. Um, more than the past couple of years. Okay. I don't I don't know if I ever really believe in Super Bowl or bust when your quarterback is like 26, 27 years old and your wide receivers are like 22. So like the core is still young. Like it's probably a Super Bowl or bust year for like the Bills. And even then That's I'd struggle. Oh, you know what? It's a Super Bowl or bust year for the Jets, even though I don't believe in them. Because 
you've got what one two years with Rodgers. that that super bowl or bust window for you um Bengals, no they just they have that young nucleus that's going to be around for a while i think you're not really looking at super bowl or bust at any of the next couple years but i do think you're looking at more urgency now this year and next year than you were the past couple years where it really felt like two years ago it was almost like happy to be here <laughs> wasn't supposed to be here and then last year they were supposed to be there but you're still playing a little with house money because almost everybody's coming back um this year you're probably not getting everybody back but i still think they're going to be in the super bowl window next year and then the year after that look the super windows is, is joe burrow's career even if it keeps shrinking a little bit um until they go out and sign like a bunch of one-year deals and really try to beef up uh, with the mercenaries and stuff, I, I'm not going to buy as a, a Super Bowl or bust year. It's kind of crazy. I, I said the same thing. I actually replied back and just said, I, I actually think you could point to the Buffalo Bills and say it's a Super Bowl or bust year for them because they have to get there. Um, all this talk, and I don't think they're as a big, big as a, fav- a big favorite going into this season as they were last year. Uh, but they're still there. They still have a lot of talent. They still have Josh Allen, Sean McDermott. A lot of people like him as a head coach. Um, but overall, I, I think with the Cincinnati Bengals, you know, like you just mentioned, Joe said it's his whole career, and um, I still feel like there's a lot of youth there, and it's absolutely crazy because I think you said they were happy to be there. I think if you would have told us Joe Burrow's first full year, which was his second season in the NFL, if they would have won one playoff game, I think we would have all been like, I already, lo- I, I lost my mind when they lost when they won that first playoff game. Yes. So to keep playing with the house money for for how those games went down, the Tennessee game, mm-hmm. the the getting the ball at the end was absolutely crazy. By One of the most said. underrated moments I don't think fans talk about enough is Joe Burrow taking a billion sacks and hits in that game and then them calling a five-step drop to run that deep out to Jamar Chase to set up the game winner and he just stands in there and throws it. Yep. Tough as nails. Just I think that's something that – I remember when he got put – when The Athletic always does that quarterback ranking uh, thing. I think Mike Sando from mm-hmm. a former GM calls all these guys and does it. Burrow was surprisingly high for them two years ago before he really broke out. And it was a lot of defensive guys saying, like, that dude's tough. Like, And they're pointing to that Eagles game, his rookie year, which I remember <laughs> he got smoked in that game and just kept nervous. getting up, just kept getting up. Like that is just something I think guys around the NFL really respect is like your ability to keep taking hits and then not short arm throws, not quick in your release, not you're still stepping into stuff. That was my biggest worry with the ACL was like, is he still going to step through muddy pockets? Answer. Yeah, emphatic. Yes, he's still gonna step through muddy pockets. Maybe not right after the ACL, but by like week five of that year, he was stepping through the trash. It's like you have to because the offensive line still isn't very good. Um, now you're hoping it's the best it's ever been, and he's willing to step into that muck. He's willing to take hits. He keeps getting up. The only time I've ever seen him affected by getting hit, I think, was at the end of that Super Bowl run, the Super Bowl itself. And he might have been a little injured, too, from the knee thing. So that might have been it, too. But that was the only time I've ever been like, oh, man. Like, I think the hits finally took their toll after 80 sacks or something. And he I, I truly believe he he got injured there and he didn't yeah. he didn't want out of the game. He was like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm going to play through this and for him to just get right back up. And yeah, I mean, it's absolutely crazy because I do. I, I say that all the time when it's the Super Bowl or bus conversation. I'm like, look, Joe's 
first real season in the NFL, his second year, he was able to take this team to a Super Bowl the following year. They were a few plays away, a couple injuries away on the offensive line. You can say whatever you want when it comes to the AFC Championship game. They were they were close to playing that game at home. I mean, everybody watched that Jags in Kansas City game. What could have happened? What could have been? That could have been played in Cincinnati. You know, what would that look like at home uh, where they played really well all season besides the Pittsburgh Steelers game? It's just so crazy how that could have factored in. I think you look at this year and you have the optimism. You do have the talent. You do have your core pieces. And you you want to get back there. It's never easy. But at the same time, it's easy to look back on these last two years and say they were so close to having yeah. Not one, but two Lombardis. And I mean, look, I'm, I'm, I don't know what that game would have looked like versus the Eagles, but everybody knows what the field looked like. And I would have felt a little better than I did uh, maybe a couple of weeks prior to that game because you were facing a really legit uh, Philadelphia Eagles team. So yeah, I, I still think you have all the talent in the world. This should be fun. Um, but hey, if you can, if you can win the AFC North, um, you can win it all. Joe Burrow said that before, and he, in the year he said that he took his team to the Super Bowl. So. We'll see what happens there, and uh, we're almost there. Next next week when we record, we're going to be two weeks away from training camp. Um, all the fun storylines, and I know you're going to get back to work on over on all Bengals. Not to say that you don't work. You know, people, you, you should go follow his Twitter account, Bengals underscore Sands. all not Bengals right now. I, I like, should go follow him still. I, I just, yeah, well, I like watching – you know, if I was watching draft prospects, people wouldn't bat an eye. But because I watch other teams in the NFL, people are like, why are you watching – insert blank. I just got one today because I was watching the Chiefs defense. Like, why are you watching the Chiefs? It's like, they're the biggest threat to the Bengals. Why wouldn't yeah. I watch them? I just want to see – and I also I, – I like I like both the play callers. I like watching what they do. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's like I'm going to watch them. I want to see what the biggest threat is doing. Uh that type of thing. And well, they had a point when they're asked like, why am I watching the Houston Texans? But that was, that was <laughs> the first round left guard. I was interested in seeing what he looked like in the NFL. And then I was also interested because I think Laramie Tunsil is one of the most wasted talents in the league. And I like watching him at left tackle. One of the best guys, I think he is teach tape for what I would want at left tackle. Uh, but you also have a point like, why am I watching the Texans? I have my excuse, but that, that would be why. But yeah, I mean I'm gonna get to Bengals. I just I like I like watching I like watching the other teams. I like A, an NFL fan, B, I like having a feel for players when they hit free agency. Like, do I like that guy? Like Damian Lewis hits free agency next year. I'm like, I'm intrigued. I like Damian Lewis, left guard for the Seattle Seahawks. Uh and I'm sure most Bengals fans will know who that is. <laughs> so <laughs> it makes sense. I'm okay. Um, whatever, whatever you need to do, whatever you need to watch. And honestly, <laughs> I, I agree about Tunzel. He might have talent, but he's making a bunch of money. So he oh, has yeah. to be pretty he's, happy. He's, with his- I think he's his own agent too. I Good think. for him. Good yeah, for him. Yeah. He keeps doing the three-year deal and getting resetting the left tackle mark. And I'm like, this is such an NBA thing to do. And so smart because of the NBA players are always taking those short deals. Like the stars are always taking short deals. And then because they know I'm going to take two years of money here and then you're going to pay me even more per year. And that's what Tunsil has been doing. Good for him. Good for him. But uh, yeah, I know Mike's going to have really good stuff. Like I said, go follow him on Twitter, Bengals underscore Sands. You can still check out all of his rookie pieces over on All Bengals. And uh, training camp will be here before you know it. You can follow me at LNDS Patterson. And thank you for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.